Welcome to Keep Connected. I'm David Siegel. In today's episode, we are talking to Sheree Werner, the organizer of a meetup group based in Austin that welcomes entrepreneurs, startup founders, and people new to the city. It is called Fiesta, and you are going to find out why it is a party indeed. Austin is an amazing, fast-growing city, and Meetup makes it even more amazing and more welcoming. Giddy up! Cherie, welcome! Hello there! How are you? Happy Monday! I'm good. I'm even happier to have you as part of Keep Connected. We've had a lot of organizers that have been with Meetup for five years, 10 years, even like 15 years. Cherie is a new Meetup organizer. became a Meetup organizer only four months ago. Her group, Fiesta, was started only four months ago, and she has over 1,500 members. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about Fiesta. What is Fiesta? Start with that. Well, so Fiesta stands for Founders, Investors, Entrepreneurs, Startups, Techies, and Austin Newcomers. And um, I kind of, it was just kind of came to me. It was it was a name, and um, I really wanted to create a group that was going to be inclusive. And um, we, as a family, are founders and entrepreneurs. And a lot of people that were moving to Austin were kind of in the same situation. So that's how I came up with Fiesta. It's a fun and There's name. a huge growing entrepreneurial culture in Austin. In fact, Austin is probably one of the fastest growing cities for Meetup. It's amazing how much entrepreneurship is happening. What are some of the benefits or what are some of the drawbacks to having a broader group rather than just saying we are only for early stage entrepreneurs? Actually, the group that I took over was for just early stage entrepreneurs. And then as I thought about it, I really wanted it to be about a place where connection happened um, because I realized the value of, of connection and especially coming out of COVID. Um, we were one of the first, I think, groups to start meeting back in real life when a lot of groups were still meeting online. And um, so I think the inclusivity of it, because that's who, that's what I lead with, was, was really important. And it was true to who I was, the core value of connection. And, and then it, it can be a launching plan because like you said, there's so many meetup groups here in Austin and it's just a growing community. And part of what I was trying to do was to help individuals find their place. You're new to a city. Where do you go? Where do you start? I mean, if they start with me, I'm happy. What advice would you give to anyone in terms of mm -hmm. helping to make people feel comfortable being their you know, genuine selves? It needs to be a place where everybody feels like they are accepted and, and they're seen. And then I think it, it takes effort on an organizer's um, part to connect individually with people. So for me, it doesn't happen at the meetups because I am very much about connecting people. If I see somebody standing alone, I go up, I say hi, invite them into a group. Um, if I'm, I'm always listening for um, information that people have to see how I can connect the dots. And, and my mind works that way. It's kind of weird, but um, it's fun. And, and so that I think people leave genuinely feeling like they left with one or two connections. And, and that's a win. I think we all have our, our different um, superpowers. And, and I would say that was 
one of my superpowers is like, okay, wait, you're at UT going to school, getting your master's and this person's at UT. Okay, let's bring you guys together because we actually have students from UT coming. Um, every, everything from students all the way up to seasoned entrepreneurs. And every so often investors walk into the group to, to listen to others. So you never know who you're going to meet. It's only been four months, but do you have any stories of people that have met and because of that meeting, XYZ happened? Anything so far or too soon to tell? You know, I, I have had people write and just say, hey, I just got here. I didn't know anybody, but this was a really welcoming place. And I left with several connections. Thanks so much. When you get out and you meet people, lucky things just could end up happening. Oh, yeah. Just through relationships, lucky things can happen. So let's talk about you a little bit more. You've had a really, I mean, I just learned that you that you actually got a certification in happiness studies and, and, and you're learning that. There's like so many different things about you. But thinking about your life, is there something that you'd point to that really led you to be so involved in helping to connect other people, helping to build community? helping people to kind of network and socialize with each other. Why does this mean so much to you on a personal level? If I was to look back in, in, in to my childhood and I mean, we all have our childhood stuff, right. And um, I really struggled with belonging. I mean, you know, my mom and dad had to get married because she got pregnant with me. My dad didn't want to be in another relationship. So like there were these things that happened in my childhood and my parents divorced early on. Um, so I think a common theme for me as a child was, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? And, um, I, I think that over time, as, as I began to heal and, and grow and stuff like that, I think that whatever we go through is an opportunity for us to help those who come after us. And, um, so if you don't feel like you belong to something, then create something that people can belong to. And, and so that's kind of how I've, I've led my life because this isn't like the first meetup group. I mean, you guys weren't around when I was doing my first meetup group. So I, I had a, a group for um, home educators that we had 75 families, you know, and we didn't have all of this technology. And, and I did that out of the need to want to provide community for my daughters. The fact that you went through that, first of all, thank you for sharing so much. Yeah. It's a, a wonderful example of, of turning kind of a personal painful experience into how you could have hopefully thousands of people that don't have to go through that because they don't necessarily have community. Um, the example you gave of the group that you had started a while back where you're, you're homeschooling your kids is such mm -hmm. a great example of the need for community because the, the result of homeschooling is that some kids may not have an opportunity to be able to spend time and hang out with other kids their age. And that's always a fear. But from the people that I know who actually were homeschooled, yeah. they actually sometimes built as many friendships, if not more friendships from other people who are homeschooled or other people that live nearby. And it sounds like you really took that and said, community is so important. I need to make sure to build that community in all the different stages of your life. And, and, and it seems that being a parent, being a child, and also being a parent probably had 
significant impacts on how you approach business and how you've approached community. Without a doubt. I mean, because I, I was I was thinking that, you know, like even with having that community, I felt like it was important to be involved in our giving community, the Austin community. So, you know, we serve together um, the homeless population and um, in, in our neighborhood, when people moved in, you know, we were the welcoming committee. So connection and um, the value of, of humans and humanity was, was so high for us that I think as, I mean, as, as a parent, I led with that. And um, my daughters are probably the most social individuals you'll ever meet. It's it's fun. There's a saying that we've always had that our ceiling is their floor, you know, and so our kids can't go any higher than, than, than we've gone. And which is why I, I think learning has been so important in my journey, you know, like learning, being a better mom, being a better community leader, being a better wife. I mean, like there's all these different areas of life. And everything is related one to another. One of the things that I personally love about business is how I could apply certain aspects of being a father to hopefully trying to be a better manager or a better leader to my team. And also aspects of trying to even be a better adult son. I'm um, in my mid-40s and my mom, thank God, is in her early mid-70s. And it's a constant process of trying to just become a better person. And, and all of that kind of overlaps with with business because t- to be effective in anything that you're doing, you really just need to continue to figure out how to grow and, and building community is important in both personal and professional. Yeah. Taking examples of how you are both a child and a parent and and transitioning them into how you can help other people, it's really something that's, that's special. So thank you for sharing it. Yeah. Okay. You have gone from a small group that you, small-ish group that you took over to a, a large and growing group. Tell us about how you market your group, how you market your events. How do you grow and expand your group? Since taking over, um, we've grown it by 48% in three months. And I think there's several different things happening here. People are going back out. I mean, I'm, you know, and, and people are wanting to meet in real life. I mean, we've been kind of pent up and um, especially entrepreneurs and, and founders, they tend to be Gen Z, millennials, and they're wanting to get out and about, Um And I think the marketing part of it, there's several different things. One, I go to various meetups and I, as I meet people, I'm like, hey, so are you from Austin? First question, usually no. Then second question, so what are you working on? Usually it's a startup. And I'm like, oh, wow, I have a meetup that meets once a month. You know, why don't you come join us? And then I give them my card and they connect with me on LinkedIn. And I follow up um, with that individual um, so I market it myself um, during the week. It helps that now people who are part of the group because of the consistency, if you meet somebody out and about, you can say, oh, wow, there's this meetup once a month at Capital Factory, 530, third Tuesday. So so that I think that really helps um, it market itself. And then um, we are meeting at Capital Factory, which is one of our sponsors. They provide the space and it's a beautiful space downtown um, in the Omni Hotel um, and it accommodates a lot of people. And um, they themselves are a community for entrepreneurs and they are very much about 
seeing entrepreneurs be successful. So they market for us in, in their newsletter. And I think their newsletter goes to several thousand people. Um, so it's it's just a lot of different things that are happening. Um, I, I won't take credit for any one thing. You could take full credit. First of all, you're doing so many things right. Okay, I just want to, again, summarize some of the things they're doing right for people because there's just so many things to learn from. Number one is most people actually don't know, about 25% of meetup organizers that start are taking over a pre-existing group. Okay. So just an interesting, interesting tidbit. And I think it's great that you took over a group because there was already a number of members. There's already momentum in the group. So it makes it easier than starting from, you know, potentially ground zero. Next is you're really focused on virality of trying to get people to attend the event and then tell as many people as they can to also join you know, the group as well. So you're turning each person who's a member of your group into a potential marketer of yeah. your group. So sure. all the stress and pressure is not just on you, but it's also on other people to help to expand the group. You have a sponsor to have a beautiful space and you're actually leveraging the sponsor to help to also market and expand the group. So between yourself and your members and your sponsors, it's um, it's no no surprise that you grew like 50%, frankly, during the pandemic. And one of the things we talk a lot about actually is 100 years ago, the Spanish flu and World War I caused deaths and, and separations and some of the things that we've gone through in, in the pandemic from from a th- from 100 years ago that we're going through today. And then it's not a coincidence that the Roaring Twenties happened right after that. And we're now in the early stages of the 2020s and the Roaring Twenties because like you said, there's so much pent-up demand of people mm-hmm. to kind of get back out and do things because of what happened in the pandemic. It sounds like you're absolutely seeing that you know, in Austin today. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, Paul Harvey said in times like these, it helps to remember that there have been times like these. And the other famous quote, that too shall pass, that however challenging one's, whatever challenge one's going through personally or professionally, that too shall pass. Whatever larger challenges happen in the world, that too shall pass. Sometimes it takes longer than we want usually, but but it will pass and we will get right, back right. To, to where we need to be. Got it out. Let's talk about what the ideal community looks like in your mind. You've been a part of so many communities from when you were younger, a a young mother, when you're leading communities right now. I have a vision of what an ideal community looks like, but but honestly, you've spent so much time in different communities. I'd love to hear your perspective of what does a community at its best kind of look like to you? You have to have buy-in. The community is nothing if you don't have people showing up, number one. So having people who are interested in what you're doing, people, and when I say buy-in, I'm talking about like, hey, if you need any help, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is my community. I, I want to help. Um, I think that people feel seen. Uh, they feel like there is a place of belonging. They can be themselves. They're inviting other people into the community. It's not just about them. You know, being older it's kind of odd that I'm doing this because I mean, given my age and and I'm much older than, than many of these individuals. um, First of all, there's nothing odd about that at all. I just, I need to interject. I'm sorry. You are awesome. Your energy is amazing. And it, it is a serious pet peeve of mine. If ageism is exists in the world and it is one of the, one of the most, uh, unfortunate things. If we, if we look at other societies in, in Asia and in China, where there's this deep respect for people oh, yeah. who maybe in their fifties and sixties and seventies, not to say that you're, you're all the way up there, but, but 
it's so sad to me how in this country and in other countries, there is such a lack of appreciation and respect for people who are have more experience, shall we say. Right. And you are amazing. So it's not a surprise at all. So let's just like debunk that completely, okay? Please. Well, I, where I was going with that is is because of that, some of the things I've seen over time is, is the lack of common courtesies, meaning, you know, appreciation, um, gratitude being shown. So being a host of a, a group like this, you you have to be doing it for the right reasons. Otherwise, it's going to be a very thankless job. So you're not doing it for the big money. Oh, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. We, you know, it, it's we 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 didn't want to charge people, but we wanted to give people the opportunity to contribute if they wanted to. So it, we kind of have a QR code, you know, um, with a um, donation of five dollars if people wanted to give. But I mean, people in general, don't do that. So um, those were some of the common courtesies of, of, of leading that when you're leading, make sure that you're doing it with the right reasons, make sure that you really know the type of group that you're wanting to have. I'm always reevaluating too. I mean, after each group meeting, which by the way, tomorrow is our third Tuesday of the month. So it'll be our actually our fourth meeting. Nice. And I um, reevaluate after each one and say, okay, what can I do differently? What can I do um, that w- what wouldn't well? And even ask your members like, hey, is there anything that's missing that you'd like to see? Last meeting, I saw a lot of the same faces. That is when you know that um, you're, you've kind of made community because people are coming back. They're wanting to connect. Yeah, exactly. Community for me is where the same people keep coming back, but it's also being infused with new energy and new Mm -hmm. people. So you don't want it to be that it's a closed group. It's the same exact people day in and day out or week in and week out. And there's no new energy, but it's also not a community if there's 80, 90% turnover and it's new people each time. And to be able to have that level of consistency is great. I just want to also hit on when you talked about evaluating how how an event went. I tend to call that debriefing. And the debrief is so important. In fact, Mm -hmm. it's so important that when we have a executive team meeting at Meetup every single week, we take the last five to 10 minutes every week and we say, what could we have done better in this meeting, Mm -hmm. in this conversation? Usually it's that I talk too much, but aside from that, (laughs) it's really helpful to get that kind of feedback because it makes our conversations, our hour and a half leadership team meeting that much more valuable. And then every single month, we actually do a retro of our leadership team and say, what what worked well, what didn't work well? And it's those moments that allows us to, to continue to strive for improvement. And it sounds like you're doing the same thing in your group. And I just want to call it out because I don't think enough groups take a step back and say, okay, how can we make this better? Oftentimes we go on autopilot, right? And mm-hmm. we're, we're just doing the same things over and over again. And, and greatness happens when you can take that step back. So, so kudos to you for doing that. Thanks. Well, I, I have my pre-meeting you know, checklist and my post-meeting checklist. So pre what needs to be done, post what can be done better and what went well and what didn't go well. You're doing a lot of things. And we haven't even talked about like one of the main things you're doing, which is Koya. You are the co-founder 
and chief kindness officer, which is, by the way, an awesome title. I think <laughs> everyone company should have, you know, a chief kindness officer. Wouldn't that be great? Of Koya. Tell us a little bit about what Koya is. Tell us what the organization represents and, you know, how it helps to build community. Yeah. So I'm doing Koya. I mean, interesting fact with my co-founders, my husband and my two millennial daughters, Karen and Courtney. And um, again, what begins in the home often infiltrates society. So as a family, we were very connected. Um, We had a mission statement that said, no matter how old, you know, we get, we're going to do things together and, and, and stay connected. We lead with connection. And so Koya was kind of birthed out of that. Um, my husband traveled a lot. The daughters were um, international travelers. I mean, one going to over 80 countries, the other 50. I, I know, crazy, right? And um, I, I think that we were trying to solve the problem of, you know, how do you show up for those that, that you care about in meaningful ways? Because you know, we move so often in in society. And um, my husband has experience with a a previous startup. So he's always innovative and thinking outside the box. And um, we wanted to be able to um, provide a way for people to stay meaningfully connected to show that they care when they they can't be there, whether it's with relationships, um, personal or business. And you know, with loneliness being in such high epidemic proportions, we're trying to solve that problem um, also. So that's kind of what Koya is. Um, We're working on amplifying um, a way for businesses to show up for their customers also. And it all stems from, again, the relationship that you have as a family, the relationship Mm -hmm. with your daughters, I guess I just have to ask before we move to the next topic, family and parenting just seems so central to who Mm -hmm. you are as a person. Too often people see them as needing to lead two separate lives. There's my personal life, my parenting life, and there's my work life. Talk about that a little bit from your perspective and, and how can people become more comfortable in really enmeshing all aspects of their life? I think that today we're seeing changes being made, um, especially with working remotely. Um, Parents are are able to parent as well as work from home. That hasn't always been the case. So I I think that we're going to see more of an integration of of those because they're they're not separate. Um, I think exposing your kids to what you do day in and day out Mm-hmm. is probably a small benefit of of the pandemic time. Oh, yeah. The number of Zoom meetings that I've had where someone's holding a kid <laughs> or their three-year-old or six-year-old, or even 10-year-old is kind of sitting in the meeting. I think it's just the most wonderful thing. I love it. I know the names of so many of the kids or even hearing the spouse in the background talking about something. Yeah. I think it's just so real. People mm-hmm. should let people know their whole selves. And part of that selves is their personal selves. And I think that's one of the things that I've enjoyed quite a lot about this particular period of time is getting to know a lot more about people's whole selves. Okay. We're going to hit some rapid fire questions. Hope you're ready. Here we go. First time you saw yourself as a leader. I think right now, I think coming out of COVID, I, I, it was just like this wake up call that I realized I could allow fear and my insecurities to stop me from doing things, 
or I could just lead with, with, with my heart, you know, and, and that's what I'm doing. I'm leading with my heart in, in my passion. How cool is that? That later in life, you are truly figuring out like who you are and, and what you want to be doing and how much of an impact you could have. And that's just, that's just awesome. It's just yeah, so really it's never awesome. too late. <laughs> <laughs> never too late for sure. If you could access a time machine, go anywhere in the world, any time in the world, where would you go at what time? I think I wouldn't want to go in the past. You know, I'd probably go in the future. Um, How far in the future? I would hope to see grandchildren, maybe great grandchildren. I, I don't know about that. Want to certainly see your grandchildren or great grandchildren is uh a beautiful thing to want to have happen. Yeah, to see the legacy. I mean, you know, it, did we lay that? Do we have a beautiful legacy that's continuing on? Okay, last question for you, which is, what do you most want to be remembered by? I want to be remembered by my my family and friends as someone who valued my family. I mean, I put my family first, um, that I cared deeply about people in, in general, that I was able to um, help others. I mean, you know, help connect those dots and, and open up doors. And and it wasn't about me. It was it was about lifting other people up. Connecting. Being unselfish can go a long way. Being yeah. unselfish as a spouse, being unselfish as a parent, being unselfish as a child, being unselfish as a meetup organizer and doing it to just truly help others being unselfish and building community. You know, when I think about you, honestly, that's the word that I think of. It's someone who's just constantly looking to help others and putting themselves secondary because you also realize that by putting yourself secondary, it actually elevates you beyond how much you could even elevate yourself. So thank you for being the person that you are. And thank you you for all that you've contributed towards, towards meetup and to helping people in community. And I know it's going to continue for for many years to come. So thank you for everything. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. And thank you for what you're doing in in helping us as community builders to have the tools necessary to lead great communities. Thank you for listening to our conversation with Cherie. Cherie is someone who struggled with belonging when she was a child. She then really prioritized that challenge that she had to turn it into what became her greatest strength, which is building community. It's such an inspiration for so many of us that have challenges and struggles and how to turn those into what becomes our greatest strength. So thank you, Cherie, for teaching us that. Hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. If you did, or even if you didn't, doesn't matter. We still want you to provide a review. We also want you to subscribe so you could keep hearing about our podcast over and over again. So remember, let's keep connected because life is better together. One of the best ways to make new friends and build a strong community is to find people who share your interests. Whether you want to make new hiking buddies, join a book club, or network and grow a business, there are countless people on Meetup who are ready to connect. Start your own group on Meetup and save 30% on your first subscription payment. Go to meetupsavings.com to claim your discount.